he and I, we loved it. We're like, we're the smartest awesome. guys in the school. Um, so anyway, I knew how to type. I was actually pretty good at Iowa. Hey, I'm Amanda from Trifecta Fitness. We're proud to be Clarksville's new Get Fit headquarters. Trifecta Fitness is a state-of-the-art spin and strength training studio. Our spin studio is truly one of a kind in this area, complete with 20 state-of-the-art live fitness bikes and an incredible sound system. Our strength training is done in small groups of six or fewer, and all of our strength and spin classes are scalable for every level of experience. Come see us in the heart of Clarksville, just behind MAPCO at the corner of Old Trenton Road and Wilma Rudolph Boulevard. Call us for more info at 931-542. 6265 or download our Trifecta Fitness app for a full list of upcoming classes. We are a show founded by veterans and hosted by veterans and a military spouse. Our mission is to get people to tell their story to the world. If you're an author, share your tips with the Misfit Nation. If you're a musician or actor, our audience needs to know how they too can get into the business. Coaches, we love our coaches. Come on, share some of your tips with the audience to help them become better versions of themselves. If you're a corporate leader or an entrepreneur, come on and share how you did it and how hard you have fought for success. If you're a veteran, first responder, or gold star family, we would love to have you come on and just share your story with the Misfit Nation. We always have time for you. Reach out, we will get you on. If you are feeling down, alone, or starting to see the darkness, stop. Think about those who are around you. You are not alone. You will be missed. If you feel like your problems will be a burden to those in your inner circle, or are embarrassed to share that with them, please dial 988. If you are a veteran, take option one. We need you to keep pushing forward. Don't make it a permanent solution to a temporary problem. If you're a new listener, welcome to the Misfit Nation. Be sure to subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast apps and also on our YouTube channel at the underscore Misfit Nation. That's the underscore Misfit Nation. Subscribe and click the bell. This will keep you up to date with all of our latest episodes and all of our news. You can also find us on Electrocast Media and About Face Radio. This will keep you up to get to us and learn more about our great guests. Tonight, I stopped for a second to thank all the line workers who are still working their tails off to reserve power and to restore power in Clarksville, Tennessee, Montgomery County, Tennessee. I also thank my back neighbor, Kurt, who helped me cut and drag the giant tree that fell from my yard into his today. This storm was no joke, but humanity is what it's all about. Uh, this is what stood out to me. Now, our next guest, Dave Aubin, was born in 1954 at Queen of Angels Hospitals, Hollywood, California. He was adopted by his aunt and uncle on his mother's side at the age of five. His adopted parents told he told him he was they were his, not his parents at the age of 11. Later that year, both his parent adopted parents started drinking. That is when his life took a hard turn. 
He tried alcohol at the age of 12. By the time of, he was 14, he was experimenting with hard drugs. Grossly addicted to drugs and alcohol, he joined AA some 20 years later in June of 1988. This is when he was introduced to the personal development industry. He had attended a seminar with Tony Robbins in 1995 when he did his first firewall. Dave went on to work for Tony Robbins for just shy of 20 years as his firewalk captain. So without further ado, let's welcome to the Misfit Nation, Dave Alvin. Welcome, Dave. Hey, thanks, Rich. It's great to be here, man. I'm sorry we had to cut off our, our green room chat there before, but we were right at the live time. So now we can get more into that stuff and a little bit more about your your life. I mean, I gave a little snippet of your life there, uh, uh, quick snippets. If you'd like to give a little more from as far back as you want to go to how we got to where we are now, that'd be awesome. Well, I think a lot of your listeners will appreciate that. You know, I came out of that baby boomer, um, uh, you know, group of amazing people, man, you know, because our parents, man, my parents and my everybody I grew up with parents saved this country, uh, literally. So let's be really clear about that. And while some of our brothers and sisters were in Europe fighting the Germans, the Navy and the Marines were fighting the Japanese in the Pacific. So it was insurmountable odds. And yet here we are. And so I came from a from a from that heritage. I came from you want to fight? Okay, we're going to fight, right? My mother, who gave birth to me, that you just talked about in Hall in, in Queen of Angels, uh, she was Rosie the Riveter. Oh, right? wow. So she was building airplanes. She was working for McDonnell Douglas, and so she was building planes. And um, bottom line there is that two two months before my my I was born, my father, my biological father, who was also a pilot. Uh, he had injured himself somehow in Korea and to save his life, they put a plate in his head oh, wow. and it saved his life. But it also took his life rich because um, uh, he was suffering from so much excruciating pain from that plate that he, you know, used to tell my mom all the time, I don't know how much longer I can take this two months out before I'm born. He turns to her and said, I'm going to the grocery store. And we never heard from him again. So I've never seen my dad. I don't know what he looks like. I, I've never found a picture of him, any of that. Very bizarre. But I I just, that's how it ended up. So anyway, that just led to, uh, you know, growing up in that era, if you will. And so uh, after I was adopted by my aunt and uncle, by my mother's sister, she couldn't afford me. She had two other sons. She was working at the Fremont uh, which is uh, a big hotel, really nice hotel, actually, as a server uh, in downtown Hollywood, right down from Groman's Chinese Theater in Hollywood High School. And uh, th But she couldn't afford to take care of three boys. She couldn't feed us. And she, they were we were all with my grandmother, so there was, you know, there was five of us in a small one-bedroom apartment, right? So anyway, they had, my aunt and uncle adopted me at five, and by the time I was 11, that's when they started drinking. And... Um, yeah, things changed. That's all I can say. It changed and it changed really fast. And it went, I went from the, you know, the perfect situation to very challenging situation for sure. Um, coming out the other side of it, you know, obviously I tried alcohol at a young age. Next thing, you know, that just kind of led me, the alcohol led me to drugs. Uh, it wasn't any, it wasn't like, oh, well, cannabis had anything to do with it. Yeah, cannabis was part of it, but I got into the hard drug side of it. I, you know, I was taking the barbiturates. I started a lot with that. I took a lot of amphetamines. So speed was, I had jobs where I was using amphetamines because I was working at night from 1030 at night until seven o'clock in the morning. 
And then that, you know, then that kind of next thing you know, you're at parties and you've got cocaine available, then heroin. And back in those days, what we were doing was pretty pure. It wasn't cut the way it is today, you know, fentanyl and all these kinds of things. That wasn't back then. This stuff was pretty, we had, (laughs) you know, if you had good friends, they had friends who could get (laughs) good quality um, uh, drug, if you will. So, um, and that's how we operated back then. And, and like I used a needle, but I never shared one. Right. Someone something told me, you know what? I probably shouldn't share that needle with another human being. And I never did, uh, though. The only challenge with that is that every time you want to go get blood, guess what? You can't because it asks you, are you an intravenous drug user? And the answer is yes. Now, between you and I, if my family member was dying, I'd lie. <laughs> right. So um, that's how that's played out. So anyway, that, you know, once I got to the drugs, you know, it, it, it was going to escalate and it was going to go downhill. And there's, it's all, it's a one, it's a one way path, man. Eventually you're going to stop drinking one way or the other. You're going to stop drinking eventually. Right. So mine stopped 20 some years later after I started drinking at an early age, I was in my thirties. It was on June 8th of 1988. And I woke up that morning, grossly addicted to drugs, very suicidal. Um, I was in a lot of pain. I was just in a ton of pain, physical pain, emotional pain, I think by far uh, was the worst part of it. Just anguish, you know, just beating you to pieces. And here's what you know. You know, if you go grab that pistol and put a bullet in your head, it's going to be over. It's going to be quick. You're not going to feel anything. And and allegedly all the pain is going to stop. Okay. That's what we think. Well, you know, so here's what happens. I loaded my pistol. I put it in my mouth and I'm ready to do this. And then I thought, I'm married to a woman who's got three kids. And I'm like, oh, you know, you know what I want to say. <laughs> it's like, oh, I'm, you know, all of the, all the four letters above. Because, you know, that's going to, that aftermath of that is going to, they're going to see that forever. It's going to cause PTSD. Now, I didn't know that back then, but it's going to cause all kinds of problems because I, because, you know, what do they say? And I've learned this and I believe it now. I didn't think about it at the time, but, you know, when we take our own life, man, the people, we, what, who, what, 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 who really dies there are the people around us. That is so, so painful, excruciating because I've been there. I've been on the end of that. And that's, I got to tell you, man, that's rough. And so we've got to find a reason to live. And, and so I got into the personal development industry as a result of, of all that, right? Because once I got to AA, um, um, I went to four meetings my first day, 1230, uh, 4.30, 6.30, 8.30. Man, I'll tell you guys, if you got any addictions or you need want to be around a group of people, and if, or any, even if you're feeling suicidal, go to an AA meeting, man. Go hang out with a group of people that will help you. They'll talk to you. They won't judge you. <laughs> they, they're there to serve you. When I first got to AA, one of the coolest things I ever ever read in my entire life, I just, this so resonated with me. Because in AA, right, you got the 12 steps. That's how you live your life. You got the 12 traditions. And that shows, that's everything. That's the group and how you live your life and how to operate out there. And, but in the preamble, it says, when anyone anywhere reaches out, I want the hand of AA to be there. And for that, I am responsible. Well, yippee Kaye. Look at what I just found. Purpose. And guess what? <laughs> that can make all the difference in, in, in your life. Because I believe, now having been in the personal development industry for what, three decades? 
the two most important times of your life is the moment you were born and the moment you figure out why. And, and there's and there's nothing that says in that why that you have to take your own life. Because I know, I was, I was standing there. I saw it. I know what it looks like. I know what it feels like. Uh, in fact, I put the gun in my mouth twice. Wow. And I have, I've had conversations with some psychiatrists and psychologists and people that know about this. And they say, dude, it's it, you. That once you get to that point, you normally pull the trigger. You don't survive. Right, because you're that close. And I, but again, in the moment, I'm not thinking about that. All I thought about is, damn it, if I pull this trigger, those kids are going to see this, and that's ugly, man. And you can't do that. That's wrong. Don't be a shithead here, man. Don't, you know what I mean? Don't do that to those kids. They're cool kids. You love them. You care about them. So then I was like, well, go out in the woods and do it. <laughs> right? Okay. Like, that'll make it better. <laughs> yeah, that'll make it better. That way, maybe they'll see it. Maybe they won't. You know, right? It doesn't geographical change there doesn't cure the issue. You got to find a compelling reason to live, man. That's just it. One of my mentors said to me one time, he said, you know, Dave, every single human has two lives. And the, and the second one starts when you realize you have only one. Definitely. That's heavy right there. That's heavy. <laughs> you know, it's like, wow. Okay. I like that. Um, you know, you gotta, you gotta learn to live with your demons and the shit that happened to you. And, and, um, and, and yeah, that can be, that can be pretty hard, especially when you've seen, you know, once you go up wars, it doesn't get any uglier than that. Um, and that's, you know, so you, for, from that perspective, right. You've got to, you've got to dig deep to deal, to, to ward off those demons that are telling you, you know, what, what that's, you know, it's trying to communicate with you, you know, all that, that happened, right. Where you have to learn it's pattern interrupts, man. When that, when that happens, when those thoughts come in, you have to move, you have to do something. You have to get up out of your chair. You have to go meditate, sound therapy, go listen to some really good music that you love. Take a walk, take physiology, get into meditation, Get into yoga. I mean, get your ass up and move, and that will help counteract all the bad thoughts. Because physiology is everything. Your body will follow whatever's going on physically with your body. So if you're, you know, if you're like, yes, <laughs> you know, and you and you move your body and take it in a direction, now your brain is moving. It's focusing on what's happening, right, rather than the the, the negative thoughts that were in the moment. So physiology and taking action works really, really, really well. And again, you know, I, I that that comes from the personal development industry. It's just one of those things that I've that I've learned out there. You know, being around it for three decades. So yeah, um, so what happened after AA is that I loaned a buddy. By the way, I got sober in, in June of '88, June eighth of '88, and then in '95 I had loaned my my buddy these motivational tapes and books that I had got from Tony Robbins. And I bought him over an infomercial one night and, and I went through it. It worked. It was phenomenal. A buddy of mine noticed that I was, you know, kind of acting differently, very motivated and inspiring. He said, dude, what's going on? And I said, Hey, there's this guy, Tony Robbins. Um, and I go, Hey, I've got this program. I just went through it. You want to, you want it? If you, if you promise me, you'll go through it. I'll loan it to you. He said, yeah, absolutely. I'll promise you. So I cool. I handed over to him. Right. I paid like one hundred and seventy nine dollars for it in nineteen eighty eight. 
bought it over an infomercial <laughs> at two in the morning. Thirty-seven <laughs> in the morning with yeah. my American Express card and maxed it out. Um, yeah, and so he went through it. Well, heck, seven years later, he calls me and he said, "Hey, dude, Tony Robbins is coming to town. Did you know that?" And I go, "No." And he goes, "Are you kidding me?" He goes, look, you got me into this shit. You, we're, we're going, dude. You, you're going with me. And I'm like, no, I, I get it. I'd love to. I'd love to go see this guy live. Absolutely. He goes, cool. He goes, I'll call you back. I'll make the arrangements. I'll call you back. And I said, cool. So he calls me back an hour later. He goes, all right, all done. We pick up tickets at Will Call. Just show up. Two o'clock starts. They, they said, by the way, you do want to probably drink a lot of water. You want to uh, make sure that... Um, you bring snacks. You're going to spend a lot of time in the in the in the room. Bring a good attitude and absolutely be ready to play full out. Dan said, "Right." I said, "Yeah." Well, Dan, how much was the ticket? He said, seven hundred dollars." Seven hundred dollars. He goes, "Yeah, man, come on. It's don't be so don't be such a tight one." Um, and yeah, it was probably the best seven hundred dollars I've ever invested because I invested in me. Right. Right. And so, you know, so we go to the seminar, right? We get there. It's two o'clock in the afternoon. Oh, by the way, on the phone call, right? Forgot to tell you. On the phone call, he goes, oh, hey, by the way, I, I need to tell you something. I'm going, what? He goes, we're going to be doing a fire walk. I'm like, what? I'm thinking in my head, I'm going, oh, hell no. Oh, no, 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 no. That's a hard no, pal. I'm not doing that. Now, here's what's interesting. I, I don't even really know what a fire walk is at that moment, but I'm not doing it. There ain't no way, no way in hell I'm doing a firewalk. But I'm not going to let Dan know that. I can't do that. Right? So I'm like, yeah, Dan, sure, firewalk. All right, great. Well, we get there, 10 o'clock, or excuse me, 2 o'clock, Tony shows up. He takes the stage. And 10 hours later, 10 hours later, after midnight, Tony says, take your shoes off. Now, he's prepped you all day for this firewalk, right? Take your shoes off. Well, I'm not doing it. So I'm like, well, why would I want to take my shoes off? I'm not going to do this. And my brain goes, yeah, well, if you don't take them off, everybody's going to know you're a wuss. And so go ahead. You may want to just take them off and fake it. <laughs> right. So, all right. I take my shoes off. So I can sum to that. Right. Succumb to that. Well, when he's got you going out there, he's got you chanting. You know, everybody, he's got, by the way, I'm with 3,500 people, Rich. <laughs> right. So it's pretty good. It's a pretty good size event. And, and everybody's clapping. Yes. 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 And I'm walking out there going, okay, no, uh-uh, not going to do that. I don't, I don't want to get sucked into that. And then when you get out there, it's ridiculous. He's got African drummers. <laughs> so it's intense. It's, you know, dun, 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 And your body just takes over the vibration. And you're like, you got to be kidding me. You know, and so it's a parking lot. Way over in the corner, they've got a giant fire building. Uh, and apparently what happens is, is they started that fire around 3 o'clock in the afternoon, and they let it burn for nine hours with hardwood. So it renders all oh, this big, giant mound of coals. And originally you think, I'm going to go firewalk over that? Damn thing's 40 feet long. And it's... You know, it's four, uh, three and a half feet thick, <laughs> tall, right? So what they actually do, though, is they take those coals and they load them in wheelbarrows. And then they take the wheelbarrow and move the wheelbarrow over into a space that's next to two lanes of sod. 
of grass, which are about eh, three feet long, 15, 18 feet. I'm sorry, three feet wide, three feet wide, 15 to 18 feet long. And so that's what you walk on. So they just take a flathead shovel and they dig it into the coals and they lay and they shovel and they shimmy them out on the grass. And that's what you walk in. Well, I'm not doing this. So my, so I'm like, so what are you going to do, Dave? <laughs> what, how, how are you going to handle this? And I'm like, well, I'm going to go hi- hide out in the back. <laughs> right. 3000 people. Nobody's going to know. Nobody's going to track you. Right. So I'll just go stand in the back. Well, not a good strategy. Because Tony's people know where all the cowards are. <laughs> and they want you to have the experience. They don't want you to miss that because they know it, it's extraordinary. They know it could be one of the most life-changing experiences you'll ever do, ever, right? So they, you know, they understand that. And that's their modus operandi. That's why, you know, they're there to serve. They want to make sure to get you across that fire. So anyway, so here comes this guy, right? And because that's what it is. Those, Tony had people that would go to the back and check in with these people. And so the, here comes this guy and he's looking at me, staring at me. And I'm thinking, what the hell's going on now? And all of a sudden he gets, you know, I don't know, 25, 20 feet from me. And he's looking staring at me and he goes, are you okay? <laughs> and, I, and I'm not okay, right? I'm, I'm far from it. But when someone asks us if we're okay and we're not okay, what do we say? I'm good. Yeah. I'm fine. I'm good. We're all good here, man. Thanks, homie. I'm out of here. And so he goes, um, he said, oh, okay, good. He goes, uh, hey, are you going to walk tonight? And I'm like, absolutely not. No, no, no. I'm not doing that. <laughs> and, right? And he says, oh, hey, dude, that's no problem. He goes, hey, listen, we don't want you to do anything you don't want to do. And I went, wow, okay. I like that because he's my ticket out of here. <laughs> Um, and then he asked me a question, Rich, that changed my life forever. One man, he's a stranger. I have no idea who this guy is to this day. He asked me, he said, well, wouldn't you at least like to watch? And I thought, well, yeah, sure. Love that. Let's go watch these people, you know, burn their feet off. And he said, well, obviously you can't see anything from where you're standing here. You're a hundred yards away from where they're doing it. But so just follow these people, get in line, follow those people. And then eventually you'll be able to see it. Well, he's telling the truth. And I took the bait. I got in line. And so I get in line. I'm walking along. And, you know, again, you got to remember, man, African drums going. Everybody's chanting. Big old fire burning. Intensity unlike you've ever seen or felt in your life. Next thing I know, this guy comes up and he whispers kind of, well, whispered kind of loudly in my ear. He said, he knows when you're ready. When he says go, you go. <laughs> I'm, thinking, I'm thinking, dude, you did not get the memo, pal. You know, I'm not doing this. I'm watching. Leave me alone. Well, so I get to a certain position as I'm moving along, you know, because these people are walking, right? The lines are getting smaller. And all of a sudden, I get to a point where I can't see in front of me, Rich, but I can see at an angle. Nice. <laughs> nice, right? And they're doing it. These freaking people are walking on fire. and and i'm trying and i'm you know my brain's going what well what's happening here what you know i have no references for this you know so your brain is just like talk about in the zone in the moment in the trance and now i'm staring at that i'm watching those people walk all ages all heights all creeds all colors nothing people are walking on fire period 
Um, and, and so you start to you start to feel what that's what that's really like and what maybe what the gist of the whole firewalking thing has been over hundreds and hundreds of years on this planet. You start to feel the tribal side of the fire and the element, right? So the next thing I know is I'm watching, guess where I end up? <laughs> Front of the line. And and so when I get there, I'm like, oh, geez, look where I am. Uh, and I was so mesmerized, I wasn't I wasn't watching in front of me. I was looking at an angle. And I, and I looked down, and there they are, man. <laughs> There's that lane, three feet wide, 15, maybe 18 feet long. And it's full of coals, right? They're glowing bright red. And there's a wheelbarrow there. And you can obviously feel the heat coming off this bad boy, right? And I'm staring into the abyss. I'm staring into everything that I fear. I spent 10 hours in a room for Tony Robbins. He told me for 10 hours, don't stare at what you fear. And we go, what am I doing? I'm out there staring at my fear. Right at it. Right at it. And there's a there's a trainer standing there. And he's, and he's looking at him. He goes, eyes up. You know, very authoritative, right? Like, you idiot. Did you not come out of the room for 10 hours and know you're supposed to keep your eyes up? And he goes, uh, and, and he goes, squeeze your fist and say yes. And I went, yes. And he went, stronger. Like, you know, come on, dude. You better, it's time to get it, all right? We're going to create fight or flight here for you. We're going to kick off some chemicals into your body, dude. And help you out. Right? And so I went, Yes. And then he got in my face, bro, right? And he screams at me, like, stop it! <laughs> I, I was so pissed. I threw my hands in the air, and I screamed out some battle cry, you know. <laughs> and and, and he, he goes, go, go, go! And I took off, right? Well, <laughs> here's, the, here's, the, here's the beauty of the, that moment. Here's what I learned. The first thing I learned about firewalking. When you take the first step, oh, you'll take the second, third, fourth, and fifth. <laughs> you have to. Guaranteed. Guarantee. That's right. Yeah. If you want to stand there, go ahead. Tell me how that works out for you. Uh, yeah. So actually, and Tony, they position two people at the end of the fire lane, right? And they interlock their arms. And, and so they catch you. And when they catch you, they say, stop, wipe your feet and celebrate. Well, as I'm doing that, I'm wiping my feet and celebrate. A girl reaches in and grabs me. She's what's called the second anchor. And she moves you out of the way. You know, she's like, oh, you did it, you did it, you did it. She's moving me out of the way so somebody else can come and be from behind me, right? And I'm I'm celebrating. I did it, right? I'm looking back, the red, the red hot. I'm going, oh, what happened? What, gee, what? <laughs> it's like, you know, you're freaking because you got your, again, you have no answers to this, right? Um, and it's not like jumping out of a plane. It's just different. Jumanji jumping and all, you know, these kinds of things. Eh, this is way, 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 way different. Uh, surfing, whatever. I'm just, it's just a moment. It's you in the fire, man. It's you in the element, right? And so at one point I had some ghost pain. I thought I burnt my feet. And when I looked, they were dirty, but there was no burns. But it felt like I burned them. Um, and so I, I, without a doubt, one of the most magical experiences of my life, right there on the moment. Now I've talked to, I've firewalked now like a hundred thousand people. So I've got, I've got a pretty good inkling idea of what happens when people do this. Um, and it is, it's for most people, it's at least a top 10 experience in your life, at least a top 10. Sometimes it's top five, top three, top one. It just depends on, you know, your hierarchy and, you know, that, that kind of thing. Um, but here's where it got interesting, man. 
And this is this is where our brothers and sisters in the military can relate to this. And that is was the next day. I've never seen anything seen anything like it. Here's 3,500 strangers. Nobody knows anybody, right? Other than maybe some people that came together, like Dan and I did. Um, and they were they were they were interacting with each other humanistically, unlike anything I'd ever seen or felt in my entire life. They were laughing. They were crying. They were talking about the firewalk. They were talking about their greatest fears and how fear has done this to them. And this is going to, you know, I mean, I, it was intense. <laughs> it was intense. And that's what got me. I'm like, so is, is this what happens when you take a group of people and you firewalk them the next morning? This is how they act? This is what's going to happen to them? They're going to be this humanistic? Okay. I want to know more about this. And so I got involved with Tony's companies. He uses, for every firewalk, he used about 300 volunteers. 60 to 70 of them would be on the fire team, fire building team alone. Wow. Because Tony's gigs are big right now. I mean, I when I went in 95, it was 3,500. And, and the biggest firewalk, that I think we've done to date, I, Tony and I did in 2005 in London, and we did we walked uh, 12,300 people. Wow! Yeah, Wow was right. Big number. <laughs> it was a big number. And uh, now I say world record. Let me correct myself. Guinness was not there. <laughs> However, show me another place where anybody's ever firewalked 12,300 people. I don't think it exists, but I have to say. You know, I just want to disclose that part. Anyway, we had a we had a ton of people. We had a great time, and it was unbelievable. Um, and and a couple and and so I got involved right with Tony's companies. I had a military background, I had a security background, right? So I got to hang out and do some stuff in that role on the security detail, and that was really fun, man, because there was a lot of celebrities, right? So that was really fun. Um, I had some really, really, really great experiences and I, I don't really have time obviously to go to in here, but maybe I'll come back sometime. But, um, you know, I, I also was a major player on his production team and I was a big part of the fire building team. So I became an assistant captain. They started paying me as a subcontractor in 96. And then in 2003, I took over all of Tony's firewalks globally. Wow. And that's when things amped up. Um, I was, you know, I couldn't accept the position without taking my kids because I homeschooled them. So Tony paid for that. So I want to thank Robin's Research and all of them and all the people that helped make that happen because that was beautiful, man. I got to take my kids. I got to take my my son, my daughter. They were they were six and nine on the road. Our first event when they traveled with me that they got their experience was in Sydney, Australia. And so that was just a magical, magical time in and of itself. Uh, hundreds of firewalks all over the planet. And and I got to watch it and be part of it. And it's probably one of the most extraordinary experiences any human could have, at least it's up there from my perspective, my family's perspective. Uh, 2014, next thing I know, right, uh, I'm in a position to be able to do a gig for Google. And so I got hired for that. And on my way there, flying there, I'm like, dude, you're an you're an alcoholic, drug addict, you know, adopted kid that you you know what I mean. I started playing some of my old tapes. Oh yeah, in your head, right? Yeah. Creating creating that story, 
right? And I'm like, whoa, 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 hold on a second. Let's 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 add something to the mix here. Uh, you know, because I'm I got all this dialogue going on in my head, just like we all do, right? And what I'm having at that moment is I'm really kind of mastering the voice that tells me that I'm not enough. Because that's a lie. That's your ego, and that's a lie. And so once you realize it and you can recognize it and you know what it is, you can deal with it. It's like, oh, shit, that's what that is. Oh, no, 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 we're not going there. So I interrupt my own pattern there when those thoughts come in that I'm not enough or whatever. And then I'm like, yeah, well, guess what, dude? Who, uh, who, uh, who, you and who else put on the, you know, the largest firewalk in our planet's history? in 2005 i was like oh yeah that was us okay we're good (laughs) right so i just went out and found something that i I, that i did really well and i started using that right and and the next thing you know from there my my company was born and then i went to um you know nasa uh notre dame virginia tech and then companies started showing up you know remax chick-fil-a heineken um, just a ton of them. Uh, and, and then a lot of business companies too, right? Because I, I'd already been working for Tony. I retired from Tony's, um, um, his firewalks back in 2014. That was my last one. Then I got involved with the EO organization, which is the entrepreneurs organization, which is a really phenomenal group. If you're an entrepreneur, you want to inspire to join that organization. And here's why. You just not, you're, you know, you're going to have to show three years financials and you're going to have to prove to them that you've made some money and you've made, you've got some experience and you're going to bring that to the table and everybody, you know, gets to dive into that synergy of, of all of you very successfully. Right. So, and as Tony Robbins has taught me anything, proximity and, and who you hang with is everything. One of the most important areas of your life that you should pay attention to is the, the people that you spend time with. Because you will become who you spend time with. I know. When I was drugging, I was saying with drug addicts and prostitutes and, <laughs> and pimps. And, you know, I mean, come on. I, you know what I mean? I knew yeah. my environment, right? So I was like, okay, I know where I am here. And same thing on the, and same thing on the other side. We definitely are who we surround ourselves with. We are. Yeah. You know, I was talking last night. Uh, I, I had a little gig over here in Boone. And there's a little, uh, there's a kava bar over there, right? And it's a lot of really, really cool, just amazing people. And so they asked me to come over and give them a little motivational talk. And I said, sure, absolutely. And we go over there all the time and we play trivia and it's really a fun place, right? You want to drink some kava and you want to drink some kratom, then it's there. Um, and so, you, you know, it's, that kind of thing in life where you get to go do stuff like that and, and hang out with some people. And we did the board break, right. Which is, which is, um, you know, I just show you how to break a board with your bare hands, right. It's just like a martial arts thing. And, uh, but I do it for kids. Right. So a lot of my philanthropic and benevolent work is, yeah. Can we do firewalks and raise money for kids? Oh yeah. We can raise, we dig firewalk and make a ton of money. Uh, if, if you do it, you know, in, in a setting where you want to raise money. Oh my gosh. As a fundraiser, firewalking? Oh, hell yeah. Because, you know, there's so many different ways to do it. Give it to me. <laughs> I'll, I'll walk it. All right. Let's make it 100 feet. And you get companies to pay me per step. By the step, yeah. <laughs> all right. <laughs> you could pay me by the step, or you could just go ahead and make a, 
you know, uh, a $10,000 donation, right? Whatever. Uh, it, it's just a phenomenal way. Uh, there's, you know, firefighter goes down. You can use that, you know, something like that to raise money for the family. Uh, in my firewalking academy, um, uh, by the way, we, I, it's okay to plug. In October, I'll be doing my last uh, Dave Albin Firewalk Academy, and that's where you come to me. You spend a week with me, and I rock your world. Um, wow. And so if, if we have any vets out there, if we have anybody that would be willing to sponsor a couple of vets, I'm willing to open that up and give it to them. As long as I can cover their cost. Uh, and, and your, and your sponsorship, whatever gets the recognition, I'm good with that. Um, so, and, and this is cool because I'm going to teach you firewalking. I'm going to teach you all of it, the history, all the way back through, you know, the Fahitians and the, and the people of India and the Polynesians and the Hawaiians and the Native American Indians and, and the Indo-Europeans. Yeah. They all use firewalking for just phenomenal growth and rite of passage and graduations and ceremonial, you know, spiritual ceremonial purposes. So it's, it's pretty badass stuff. And then I teach you some really cool stuff for corporate America or for businesses, for entrepreneurs that you can create life-changing experiences. <clears throat> one of them is the glass walk. Three, I teach you how to walk on broken glass. The other one's the board break. Teach you how to break a board with your bare hands. I also teach the arrow break where you put the arrow here in the soft spot of your neck and you step through and break it. Uh, and then we've got brick breaking and, and rebar bending for the more advanced classes and Bigger firewalks, if you will. So anyway, the Academy's coming up uh, October 5th. It's my last one. I'm retiring after this year. I'm 69 years old. <laughs> so, right? I was telling that to the group last night. And they all laughed, right? I'm going, and you know what? When I was a teenager, I remember thinking, hey, if I live to be 69, just about that time you learn what 69 means, right? Right. <laughs> <laughs> so it was fun, but it was fun. So yeah, so I'm 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 gonna go out with a bang here with the last academy, um, and and I'll I'll do I I, I will do a firewalk, but if I have a a thing I'm working on right now up here in the high country, I may be doing some full time work, some firewalk stuff here locally, which I'm really excited about because I've that leaves me at home. My family's here, my kids are here, my grandkids. I got one coming, Charlotte nice. Ray. Right. Yeah. Thank you, man. My granddaughter should be here in about three weeks. So, you know, oh, man. Yeah, man, we're on it. Right. And as a family, my daughter. Right oh, God, I'm so proud of the parents. Oh, God. <laughs> Amy and, and Jace are just killing it parent wise. I mean, they are. They are stepping up and they are getting stuff done. And it's just a beautiful thing to watch. And, you know, if you get to be my age and you get breast with a grandkid. OK, man, it doesn't get any better than that. Um, you know, I, 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 I use that joke everybody else uses about grandkids. And that is, if I don't know, they were this great, I'd have had them first. Um, <laughs> right. <laughs> Every grandparent. <laughs> yeah, right. Every grandparent out there, you know, they, they get that. They can relate to that little statement. Definitely. So, uh, yeah. So that, that's where, that's kind of where I am. Right. So we've been doing that now. And, um, it's just a, it's been a really powerful way to, to continue my entrepreneurship because that's, I've been an entrepreneur since I was little, little, young, nine years old, used to sell flowers on a street corner. Nice. Seriously, man, no shit, right? So my mom had a green thumb and in our backyard in Southern Cal in Long Beach, she had a big L-shaped uh, garden in the back and she grew flowers, man. 
and she grew hundreds, not thousands of flowers back there. There's a big space, right? And she was a grower. She knew it. She grew up in the Depression, man. They knew it. They didn't learn how to, you know, growing food was not an option. <laughs> if you didn't have it, you didn't. And mom learned how to do everything. Definitely. Everything. I think that whole generation did. So, yeah. And yeah. you didn't throw anything away. You fixed it. You respected everything. You yes. respected everything. Exactly. So, you know, you sewed your own clothes, you, you know, so life was different. No doubt about it. So my mom was like, you know, I'd go, you know, young age, get, come into the kitchen. She's like, what are you, what are you doing? Okay. I'm, I'm in the kitchen. What are you doing in here? <laughs> well, so, and if she was cooking or doing it, she's like, look, I'm busy. You're welcome to come in, but you're going to help me. And I'm going to teach you about the kitchen. And I went, okay. Well, I think that's probably what, that's a good skill set. That's come in handy. Mom did. Mom taught me everything. She <laughs> taught me how to clean, how to, how to sew, how to cook, how to clean a bathroom spotless <laughs> with Comet. And you make, it, you make <laughs> yes. it shine. You know what I mean? I, so details, very, very detail oriented. Um, and, you know, she would, okay, she was married to a military officer. So she'd go inspect the bathroom <laughs> when I cleaned it. And she never failed me because I really understood what she wanted. I got it. I understood, right? And so I took that into the work ethic. So the flowers, though, mom was just growing flowers. And, and, and during this, you know, during the cutting season, right, she'd cut them. And, you know, she did something really cool, right? She'd cut them at an angle, right? And, and so that opened up the surface area so it would get more water in. So they'd last a little longer, right? And then she knew how to match the colors. Oh, my God. She was a master. And so she put them in bundles, and she'd put a rubber band around them for me. And then she put them in a bucket. And then here's the secret, literally. And this is a secret. And if you use it, you'll, you'll love it. And that is she put a little bit of 7-Up in the water. Huh. Dude, do you know what that did? So people. So men mostly. There was a few women that would buy flowers from me. Got to buy them from me, right? And and they and they were buying them from me versus you could go to the flower the florist, right? But the florist ones weren't lasting as long. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, well, if you cut it at an angle, put a little sugar to water, they will. <laughs> so it's like it was so cool, right? Because I had customers that came back and like, dude. So of course I didn't say dude back then, but they say, excuse me, young man. <laughs> right that was the toss way you talk back then yeah, yeah um hey young man you, your flowers last a long time my life my wife loves that what's one couple of people ac- actually asked me i actually went in and told them uh you know the other entrepreneurial job i had too which was uh, i was a paper boy oh yes right what a cool right job you guys oh my <laughs> god what a cool ass job right you got a really cool bicycle it's got it's got these, you know, these saddlebag uh, rack on the back, right? And you'd go, you'd go to a spot and it had to be under something because they had to drop off the papers. So it had to be a dry location. So where it was for me, it was on Palo Verde Avenue in Long Beach and the San Diego re- freeway was going over the top. So they dropped the papers right there. And so you had to be there at a certain time, pick all the paper, cut the bundle, Fold all your papers, put a rubber band around them, load them in and, and, and pack them correctly in your saddlebags. Lift your saddlebag up on your bike and start pedaling your ass off to your route and deliver the papers. And you had to learn how to throw them. And if you did it right, you put the paper in certain spots. Guess what your customers would do when you came around to collect the money? 
tip you. They tip you. Gratuity where you earned it, by the way. Yeah. Not just ask for it. And not to, and, and let me be clear. I know servers earn it today. Um, uh, what I'm specifically talking about um, is that it, it wasn't used that way. Right. I, I was, uh, I made a certain amount of money uh, per paper that I delivered. You know, so I had 40, I had 43 clients. I think that it was the biggest 40. Yeah. 43. Um, and so you, when you went and collected from them, you had to get the money and then they would, you know, yeah, some of them would tip you, but very, very few of them did 20% did, but they knew you were making money from the other stuff. So that's why I, you know, that's, I guess that's why they didn't tip all that much. Right. But it, but it taught me how to run a business. You touch a lot of life lessons, actually hard work oh. equals, equals reward and things like that. Oh my, yeah, man. I lived across the street from a, from a, a golf course. So I found money over there too. And that was the interesting distinction for me. I knew, I knew and learned and know that money's out there. All I got to do is go get it. So that's why I've always been had that entrepreneurial attitude and love that side of life. Because to me, as an entrepreneur, I can go where I want, when I want, with who I want, as often as I want, <laughs> you know, with, so all those, all those things. Exactly. Um, right. So, um, you know, one of the things that I'd love to share with the audience, especially, well, especially all our, all our military folk and anybody that this will bring some value to. And, I think you guys will really like this and you might want to learn it and then talk about it and, and give perspective, accurate, honest reality perspective to your life. hundred percent. No exaggerations, no embellishing, nothing straight up. And if we go back 12 generations, all right. So you're on this, you're, you're listening to us right now, right? You're here. All of us are together. So everything in the world had to happen for us to be here right now, all of us together. But let's let's go deep, right? 12 generations. So if we go back 12 generations in your history, how many people is that? 12, 12 generations, by the way, is about 400 years. But how many people is that? Well, I ask my audiences all the time. And they'll go, you know, 40 or 80 or no, it's like 400. <laughs> and what it is, it's actually 4,094 people. Wow. Those are all your people. Every struggle, every life change, every, any and everything. And go, you're going back 400 years. Go back 50 years, guys. And this, li this life we live is a lot different. Um, you go back 100, you had to go kill the rabbit. You had to sell your own clothes. I mean, you know, right. we're not that far away from that. It's just that everything is growing exponentially now. Um, so that's 4,094 people that everything they did got you here. And we don't ever talk about it in school. We don't even really think about it. And we need to. Right. Because it starts to give you the reasoning of why you're here, who you are and why you're here. You were born on such and such a date. Boom. Now what? Now what happens? Yes. Now, now what do you want to do? And here's where I found the secret sauce and the sweet spot. And that is doing things for other. That came from AA. 
Because now, can you imagine? You go from a complete, you know, you're insane, freaking drug addict, you know, drugs and alcohol, horrible lifestyle. Boom. You're in AA. And, And everything you do, everything you say, everyone you hang out with, everything about you changes. Right there. Boom. (laughs) <laughs> right? Um, so the people that you used to hang out with, you know, you're hanging out with people in AA. So again, pl- people, places, um, um, and, and hangouts, man, is, is just what that whole mindset of AA teaches, right? So you change everything. Um, and so, yeah, it, it, it gets into very specific. You, you had 4,094 people that went through incredible things so that you could be here on this planet and make a difference. I believe anybody listening to something like this, you are the chosen ones. You have a molecule of magnificence inside of you. And it, and when it comes alive and it's time to just, you don't have to do people. I got to do this. No, you already are. Right. (laughs) You're there, man. You know, it's interesting. If we look at the odds of being born, right? The scientific, you know, you run the numbers. Yeah, one mom, one dad, two people on six billion on a planet. Um, you know, a mom had how many eggs? So there was only one egg that can create you. Uh, how did dad contribute? Well, he obviously, he he left his mark. Okay, well, he was there. <laughs> he, was there he was somewhat involved. He, he, uh, he, uh, he gave forth a group. Let's, let's call it that. And so, well, that's interesting, though. How many are in that group? Dad. Well, I did this. I was talking time with an OGBYN friend of mine, and we got into it. I said, hey, by the way, how many are in that group? She goes, eh, swimmers, you mean? <laughs> there's about um, there's about 60 to 100 of them little suckers, and they're all going for the same thing. And if you think about it, that's us. We were a swimmer. All right. And we broke through. We got through 60 to 100 million other swimmers that are like, hey, out of the way, pal. I'm going to the front, right? Um, but that's how life starts. And so there, you know, so so now, now this is where it starts get it starts getting interesting mathematically, um, because you know, again, two people of six billion, you're one swimmer of let's say sixty million out of three hundred eggs. You start running the numbers on that, and I'll run them for you so you don't bang your head against the wall. <laughs> but it's it's one in 400 trillion it's a, a very big chance that, that's what it took yeah so if you think you're here by an accident or you if you look you you're gonna have to convince yourself that that's not a big deal but you'll have to lie to yourself in other words in order to do that because the numbers are there the chances of you being born were many i mean just one in 400 trillion period and then you had, and then you got a 4,094 people that are out there that got their asses handed to them. That you could be here right now and and rise up. One thing I recommend to all people is, man, get off social or get off uh, uh, the mainstream media. Definitely. Yes. Go to podcasts. Go learn from people, real stuff, right? Like this. hang out on the Misfit Nation. Yes, sir. Hundred <laughs> percent. Definitely. Um, this has been this has been phenomenal, man. Definitely. Um, and so I. Uh, I'm just honored to be here, man. And, and I hope I said something that encouraged you, inspired you, whatever. Um, but I would tell you that if you ever want, and if it's okay with with Rich, give out, he can give out my number. 
and my contact info. And if you want to talk, let's talk. If you're a vet, uh, that is. Definitely so, will. I'm sure they'll reach out to you. That'd be cool. Awesome. Man. I mean, you, you're uh, the fifth person I've had on the show, I think, fifth or sixth now that was at that point of darkness where it almost ended. And yeah. you had you were biting on the barrel and about to do it and realized, I, I am somebody. I need to move forward. And I, a few of them were Marines that did this. And uh, then there's you. And uh, everyone had a reason why they came out of it. And the reason is, you are somebody you need to stay with us. You need to keep pushing forward. And I think uh, when you did that, it flipped the switch in your whole life and it made your life transform into what you do now. And when you did with the fire walking with Tony Robbins for almost 20 years, and then with Google and NASA and what you do now at your Institute, which you're about to retire after this October class. So it's amazing to see people make that transformation and the journey you've been on. is just amazing. Anyway, if you go back to your whole life story, it's amazing. And where you live now, uh, as we were talking in the pre-show, I, I would I would give everything up to go live on, up in that area just to climb Grandfather Mountain every other day or every weekend and hang up on, on top of the peak there and just and just look out over the world from there. That's an amazing place to be, an amazing view from the top of that mountain. And uh, I apply, I, I'm uh, jealous of you for living there. And it, it, <laughs> I'll take it. I'm not far from you though, so I can drive there. I'm on about four hours in there, four or five hours where, drive from there. Where, where, where are you, Rich? I'm just outside of Nashville. Oh shit! Oh dude! All right. Um, so I'm in Franklin uh, on a pretty regular basis. Awesome. Uh, yeah. In fact, I'll be there the first week of April. I'll be oh, in Nashville. Yeah. Give so, me a call. We'll hang out. Can, can we do that? Yes, sir. Oh, awesome! Yeah, done deal. Yeah, uh, I'll do that. Anyway, thank you, thank you, my friend and my brother, for bringing me on the show. It's been a blast. Awesome. Uh, Jake Holland just chimed in. Great show, Rich. Thanks, Dave. Uh, Jake's a regular on the show. He's a contributor hey, to the show. He was on the show, EOD veteran, and he understands everything you Sweet. just spoke about as well. Yeah. Yeah, Jake, let's chat. Awesome. And, uh, Dave, if there any parting uh, words you want to say to the audience before we uh, cut off for tonight? Yeah, sure. Um, one thing, um, you know, why don't people get what they want in life? And if you break that down to its simplistic form, it's we, there's a story we tell ourselves why we or why we can't have it. And so here's what we know. Everything that happens to us, good or bad, we create a story about it. Now, we're the architect of that story, right? We build it the way we want to build it. I knew two brothers. One went to prison. One had the most beautiful life you ever saw. Same sexual abuse, same horrific upbringing that these two boys had that grew into men again one one became a victim went to prison the other one said yeah if you, if you lived as best life as i did what else could you be but a great father and husband and all that right um so my encouragement to you is that you create your own story you're writing this and if you want to change your life you may have to change your story you may have to write it better um if 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 you need some encouragement, um, I'm here, man. <laughs> Let's talk about that because there's great things out there for you and amazing things. So, yeah, just be uh, – you want to change your life, like I said, change your story. And and that can happen. And, and, and the results of that and the benefits of that can happen real fast, Rich. So that's what I'd leave. Outstanding. Thanks, Dave, for, again, joining us on this uh, live show on Sunday evening uh, from your – Oasis there in uh, Ash County, in uh, North Carolina. Uh, thank you for 
take some time away and let your German Shepherd run around outside and, and run patrol for you while you hung out with us. And uh, we, I look forward to meeting you in person in, in Franklin coming in a few weeks. Beautiful. Beautiful, awesome, beautiful. Thank Thanks, you. man. All right, Rich. Ciao. Thanks for checking us out and being a part of the Misfit Nation. Don't forget to visit our website at themisfitnation.com. It's themisfitnation.com to catch up on all of our episodes and also to get some of that great Misfit Nation gear. As always, be humble, stay hungry, and keep hustling because we are.